Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a blessed Sabbath morning it is. Thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast as part of Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. We are so happy and blessed that you are here choosing to spend 30 minutes of your morning with us. You know, after our radio broadcast, there's still time for you to come on down to the church. Our service starts at 1030 in the morning, and we would love to have the opportunity to meet you and have you here and be a part of our fellowship. We hope that these messages have been an encouragement to you, a blessing, and that you are learning and developing a passion for our risen Lord. So thank you again for tuning in to Driven to the Cross as part of Christ's Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. Let us pray. Our Father, who are Father, you are our Abba. You are our everything. We are so grateful that we have been grafted to the very vine of Christ, adopted into the royal priesthood, and as your word says, co-heirs with Christ. We realize, O oh God, that it is not of our own ability, not of our own accord, and not of our own strength, but by the very righteousness imputed to us by Jesus Christ. For he was the, the perfect atoning sacrifice. And we thank you, Father, that you love us so much, that you spared not your Son for us. We thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you that we've been called by your name, that we've been predestined according to your grace and mercy. We thank you that you foresee and foreknow everything. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be made more in your image, conformed to be more like your son, that we can give you that glory. And we thank you that no matter what comes our way, no matter what trial, tribulation, persecution, peril, Disaster comes our way that we cannot be separated from you. Thank you, Lord, for this promise. And through this, Lord, we ask also that you would heal our land, that you would heal our churches, that you would heal, O oh God, this people, that we would once again proclaim your gospel throughout the land and that people would know that this is a Christian nation. I ask, Lord, that you would bring a fire into the pulpits. I ask that you would stir up the mighty men of God to lead the churches in the homes again. Father, restore your righteousness to this land. We thank you. We thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing our trek through the Bible in regards to the session of Christ. But this morning, we're going to be in the book of Colossians, chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul wrote this. And one of the things that he did right off the bat in this chapter is he talks to us uh, about the ambitions and affections that are holy about a spiritual resurrection and how to have a holy ambition. 
One reason that is so important in regards to the session of Christ and Christ being seated at the right hand is that we as Christians have a responsibility. That responsibility isn't to say, oh, I'm saved, I can go and do whatever I want. No, we are called to be active workers in the field, working for the kingdom of God, bringing in the harvest as it is ready, leading by example, displaying the grace and mercy and the holiness of God. And so this holy ambition is not that of a carnal ambition. A carnal ambition is about you. It's about bettering only yourself and obtaining the things that you want <coughs> Pardon for your comfort for every aspect of your life. A holy ambition is one that is going to go and display Christ and help build the kingdom of God. So my, my question for you this morning would be one like this. If you were to write down your goals and your ambitions in life, what would they be? How would you list them? Would they be honoring to God? Or would they be glorifying to God? Write them down. T take a moment after this message, and don't skip church, but take a moment, give yourself a to-do list. Write down your ambitions. Write down your goals. Write down the things that are that you want to accomplish. And then look and see if they're holy or are they carnal. Are they glorifying to God? Do they grow the kingdom? Do they grow you for work in the kingdom? Or do they just glorify yourself? Think on this for a moment as I begin to read. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, and it's a really short chapter, so we're going to try and go through all of it, but we may not get through all of it today. But now listen as I begin in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. What an opening statement in this chapter. Kind of mirrors or parallels exactly what I was just saying. My friends, what are your desires? Where's your heart? Lay up for yourself treasures in earth. If you lay up yourself treasures in, or lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, but if you lay up for yourself treasures in earth, moth, dust, rust, but the treasures in heaven, where moth and rust does not corrupt. But also, remember this: where your treasure lies, there will your heart be also. Now. Listen to what Paul has to say. Actually, before I get into that, there's an issue that many Christians have. And you hear me talk a lot about stuff like this. I'm always pointing out issues, problems, right? But 
Scripture offers a solution. One of the issues that Christians have today, and you, you can tell it by going to some of these churches, and that's worldliness. If a Christian is worldly-minded, so self-centered, and you cannot tell that the person is a Christian, that there is no separation, if they're only going to church because it's a good time, the music is great, it's like a rock concert, they're getting entertained, are they going for Christ or are they going because it's a good time? They're going for the entertainment. Worldliness does not display a death to sin. Worldliness does not display a death to sin. In first ten, or Second Timothy, if you will, chapter two, verse twelve, the apostle Paul was writing to a very young pastor. Listen to what he says here. I'm going to go back a couple of verses for you. Starting at verse 11. Actually, let's go back to verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus so with eternal glory. Verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. 12. If we suffer... We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And then verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. And study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. My friends, Paul is writing to young Timothy right there, and he's telling them Christians are going to suffer. They're not to be worldly. They're going to receive persecution. And my friends, I have news for you. If you are a real Christian, if you are a sincere Christian, you are going to have troubles in your life. You are going to have persecution in your life. You're going to have difficulties in your life. But you will display the grace of God because you have seen His hand move upon you in such a mighty way that He goes before you and prepares a place and prepares the very road that you are to travel. Remember that He is a light unto our path. He's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He will show you that you will not stumble. Remember that we are not to have our affections set on the things of this world. Because if we love the things of this world, if we cleave to them, if we have to have them, then we are not seeking after the kingdom of God. Now, this sounds strange to some people because we use the word love a lot. 
saying to you isn't that you like the things. Everybody likes to have things, and it's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to enjoy life. It's not. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to convey. I'm not wanting to see a whole bunch of frozen, chosen, deadpanned, miserable people. We can have joy. We can be involved in things. We can have comfort. But remember, one, it is God who gave it to you. Two, it is He who supplied it. Three, it is He who has blessed it. And four, it is of no consequence in the light of eternity. Now, verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. Now listen. This is talking about mortifying the flesh. This is part of our responsibility. Remember, Christ intercedes for us, and we are a new creation. We, are, we in and of ourselves are dead, but Christ is alive in us. Why? Because he has redeemed us. Now listen to what he says here. This is talking about the lust of the flesh, of the mortifying it, controlling it, bringing it under dominion, under control, under authority, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil conscience, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Look around you. What do you see going on today? Is there a lot of wrath and pain and anger going on? It used to be that idolatry was easily recognized because people would have an idol in their house and they'd wear a certain style of clothes pertaining to the worship of that deity. But today, idols are not necessarily a statue. They're not necessarily made out of silver, gold, or granite, or clay, or pottery, or carved out of wood. No, idols are more often seen in things we socially accept, things in which we do things in which we devote our time and energy and resources to. If those things come before God, then you're serving an idol. And the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime, when ye lived in them. In other words, what Paul is saying right here that even though we serve a risen God, we have to mortify the flesh. We have to mortify it and control it and get rid of it and live a godly life because we were at one time living just like the rest of the world. You see the separation there, the sanctification? That word to sanctify literally means to set apart. He's trying to explain to us the difference between one who is controlled by the lusts of the flesh and those who walk after the Spirit of God. My friends, and such were some of you. I want to show you something really quick here before we go on just to help prove this point. And that'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
and it'll be in verses 9 through 11. Listen to what I say. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, that sounds familiar because look at what it says back here in Colossians. It says here that um, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And the opening salvo there in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then listen to verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. My friends, back in 1 Corinthians, the letter first letter to Corinth, Paul is addressing some of these things, and he sees fit in chapter 3 of his letter to the church at Colossia to address this again. And when he says, in the which he also walked sometime. In other words, and such were some of you which he lived in them. But now, but now, ye also put off all these. This is going to be talking about the change nature. Remember back in Romans chapter 8 when I said that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God? That change that takes place, the difference between you and everyone else? But now ye also put off all thee, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And then, listen to verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. I would be remiss if I did not mention something right now. There is a movement out, and we can understand on the surface what it means or what they're attempting to accomplish, and that's the Black Lives Matter movement. And before I start getting nasty emails, let me explain something. Before I start getting nasty phone calls or anything like that, let me explain something to you. The Apostle Paul, right here in Colossians, expressed something that we as believers should also be expressing. It is not something that puts one ethnicity, one race, one culture above the other. Listen again to what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Where there is neither, meaning no difference in Greek or Jew, 
circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Understand what I'm telling you right here. I do not care what your race is, what your ethnicity is, what your background is. I don't care what color your skin is, where you come from. God does not care. Christ is in all and all. Christ is in all and all. He's not checking to go, oh, hmm, well, you're from Africa, you're from China, you're from England, you're from Germany, you're from the United States, you're from Mexico or Brazil or Canada or whatever country you may be coming from. I want to tell you something. You did not choose what your ethnicity is. You had no choice in the matter. You didn't choose and say, hey, I want to be born... I cannot express this enough. You did not choose your family. You did not choose what country you were born in. You did not choose where you grew up. You did not choose any of that. Christ is not going to ask you, well, what country are you from? Oh, were you on the south side? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, you, You were... Over here, no, no, I can't let you in because of that. No, the question is, why should I let you into my holy heaven? The answer is, because of being bought by the blood of the Lamb, of the only begotten Son of God, that of Jesus the Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby a man must be saved. No other name under heaven whereby a man can be saved. No other name under heaven that will ever get you in other than Jesus the Christ. It does not matter your color. does not matter where you are from. It does not matter where you grew up. It does not matter your past. What matters is your future. Where are you going to spend an eternity? My friends, separating one life from another because of the color of skin is abhorrent. It is repugnant. I cannot express that enough. If God says here that where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. That should be enough. Now look on as we get into some of the Christian graces. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. You see, here is what you are to do as a Christian. As Christ died for you and He is risen, and He sits at the right hand. We are to set our affections on the things above. And here's what He tells us to do. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering, 
forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. My friends, if Christ can forgive you, if Christ can forgive you, then you can forgive others. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what takes place. You can forgive and you should forgive because you are to display these attributes as being an active worker in the kingdom of God. Now listen to verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfect. Now that word charity can also be translated as love. It is a selfless love. It is a love of the brotherhood, but it is a love that gives the grace and mercy of God. It displays God in you. That, that charitable work is a selfless service, a selfless act, and meeting the needs, displaying the Christian attributes in the service to those around them. How often do we fail? Because we wonder what's in it for us. Remember I asked you at the start of this, make sure you write down your ambition. Make sure you write down your goals. Make sure you display them. See if they're holy or not. Because here it says, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. My friends, if we are called into one body, and how can I say one body? Because we're all part of the body of Christ. Remember here, there was no separation in any ethnicity. No separation between the slave and the free. Nothing. Because Christ is all in all. Listen to what he tells us in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now listen to what you're to do with that. Teaching and admonishing one another. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. My friends, when was the last time you can say that you did that in totality? When was the last time you can say that you actually did that? I hope, I hope that our conversion and our heart condition is so sure that whatsoever we do, both in word, what we speak, and in our actions, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And in so doing, giving thanks to the Father. Now, my friends, I have to get ready to close this session out, this meet, this sermon. But I want you to think about something. As you write down your ambitions, as you write down your goals, Ask if you're doing all of those things 
All those ambitions, are you doing them for the glory of God? Are you displaying them in your words and your deeds? Are you able to give thanks to God through them? If not, consider reorienting yourself, adjusting your azimuth that you'd maintain a true north, following after him. Because while he is in session, we are the witnesses and the workers building the kingdom. So my friends, I want to ask you to be blessed, be encouraged, and glorify God in all things. I hope to see you soon. We're at 1320 West Nolana Avenue. Check us out on our website and on Facebook. Hopefully, we'll get to know you. May God bless you and keep you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.